So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Well, listen here. Hello. And welcome to 90 Day Fiance Okay. I'm Mr. O, and today, Miss H and I will be discussing season six, episode 10 of Happily Ever After. In this episode, Ronald has some terrible ideas about what the toddler should play with. Julia lays it all out there for a job interview. Michael and Angela independently get talked off the brink. Yara gets to pick the new apartment. Natalie isn't telling Mike about her nose surgery. And Andre can't even take a leak without everything going wrong. As always, we'll end with our Students of the Week, class dunces, and life lessons. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star rating and subscribe. And if you also watch Love After Lockup, you should listen to our other channel, Love After Lockup K. Okay, thanks for listening. Stay safe and enjoy. Hello, Mr. O. Hello, Miss H. How are you spending your summer days? Well, right now I'm just trying to avoid the heat, but um, you know, I have a I have a pool at my uh, at my building, so I've been doing that. That's a good way to avoid the heat. So I'm, I've been enjoying yeah. that so far. But then in July, I'm just like, I'm gone for like all of July. So I'm looking forward to that. That'll be fun. Some beach time. Some beach time. That's right. But you know who's not at the beach? Well, but is trying to spend his time physically is Michael. So yeah. <laughs> Angela and Michael, Michael. Michael is looking like he's trying to lose his COVID-19 pounds by kicking the soccer ball around and talking to his friends, the goofballs. He was tired of Angela screaming at him, so he's not all that upset that she says she's broken up with him, and he's just going to live life like a single man now. The goofballs were surprised to get the call to hang out the way Angela obviously hated them the last time they hung out because she called, they called her like grandma and stuff. He tells them that he and Angela have broken up and tells them also about the surgeries. They're shocked, but she would want to do the breast reduction because big boobs are the best. Anyway, what they're not surprised about is that when he started standing up for himself, she dumped his ass. His friends are worried that the relationship is not over for good, and when she comes back, he'll again stop and not stand up for himself. Then they do some role-playing with one of his friends doing a pretty accurate Angela, um, asking Michael, what are you doing? Who are you you talking to? And in the end, he says um, that what he, he wants to stand up to her and tell her what he wants, you know, and be like a man. On the other side of the world, Angela is checking in with lawyer Lou about her divorce. She says that she is totally done and is just going straight in for divorce. She says that in the past three months, you know, Michael's been really uppity and she's not the one to kiss anyone's ass. Lou says it's, it's going to be a pretty simple divorce since they live apart and don't really have any shared property. So long as she wants it, it shouldn't be a problem. But it does mean that USCS is going to stop the immigration process. Weirdly, Angela didn't even seem to consider the implications on immigration of her divorce. So now she starts (sighs) wavering too and wants to, you know, make sure she looks at every option. Okay, so she came in very, very – to Lawyer Lou, very, very straightforward. Lawyer Lou, I want a divorce, right? Mm -hmm. But then she seemed surprised that that would impact the immigration. What, What did she see happening here? I don't know. I honestly don't even think she really is thinking this through. I think mm-hmm. what she really is trying to do is she is trying to use this as a threat to get Michael in line. So she wants sure. to serve him with divorce papers. She doesn't necessarily want to finalize the divorce, but she wants him to know that this is a serious threat. But at the same time, 
you know, she's kind of finding that she can't just undo this so easily. And that's the part where she's like, oh, wait, I haven't really thought if this is what I permanently want. You know, she's really just uh-huh. using this as blackmail for yeah. Michael to, like I said, get in line. Yeah, that's probably right. That's probably right. Yeah, it just seems like, yeah, she just went. So like, as soon as he mentioned immigration, she was like, oh, well, I haven't thought about that. I, I, what, I got to think about every option. Well, what are her other options? Because then she was like, yeah. it was funny, too, because she was like, well, I guess. After 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 we get the divorce and the, the paperwork gets canceled, we can fill it out again. And he was like, yeah, if you get married again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my She's gosh. Like, oh. Yeah. I, I don't think she really wants a divorce. I think in her ideal world, she just wants Michael to act the way that she wants him to act. Right. Yes. And so it's, yes. it's a control thing. And so how are you going to get Michael to act the way – that you want him to act is by, you know, trying to offer or take away something that he really wants. And he really wants to get to the U.S. And so by, you know, threatening to take this away, that's how she's trying to get him to do this. And I don't know. It just really frustrates me when people do any of these kinds of things because it's like, you know, getting married or getting divorced. It's You should think about, and I'm not saying that every marriage should last forever or even every divorce should be, you know, a final decision, but I think that you should go into it with that intention, regardless Mm -hmm. of, you know, how you feel in the moment. Maybe you change your mind later, which is fine, but it should be thinking about, like, your future, and you should have the intention of, you know, this is is Mm -hmm. over. Yes. I mean, I would say that... Of the and I, you know, it's kind of a counterintuitive term. Of the successful divorces I've been <laughs> like, uh, you know, involved with or around or heard about, right? It's again just like the marriages. It's not something that comes up spur of the moment. It's something that you'd be like, oh, by the time we actually got divorced, we had been thinking about or, or going through stuff and dealing with it um, for years, years, mm-hmm. right? And it, marriage is kind of the same thing because if you do that thing, if you're just totally reflexive. Of one thing happens and you're like, that's it. We're getting divorced. And that's when it just turns into a huge explosion and and, and mess because nobody really has thought about what they wanted. They're just reacting to the latest thing. Yeah. I definitely think that that is the case for this uh, situation as well. Uh, Let's talk about the goofballs for a minute. Like, I thought they were being really great friends. They did not give Michael a hard time for, you know, not basically cutting them off. Yeah. You know, they haven't talked to him since Angela's been around and they kind of picked up and didn't give him grief about it. They're like, oh, well, you're surprised you called. But they were trying to be supportive, good friends. And so just based on that, I hope that Michael sees that, you know, Angela is trying to control him. She's trying to get, you know, these people who have known him forever, who have his best interest in mind, that are going to be there and support him even long after Mm -hmm. she's around, you know, that they're not doing it to, you know, I don't know what Angela thought. Like, I think she I think she thinks they're bad influences. But at the same time, it's like to keep them to yourself. Her definition of bad influence was, whoa, whoa, whoa. They want you to not be at my beck and call and to not do everything I say immediately. That's a bad influence. I don't want them around. They're they're bad. 
right? Right. Yeah. If somebody's going to give you, if anybody's going to give you advice that's anything besides you should just listen to everything she says and do it immediately, then they don't need to be talking to you, right? Yeah. Which is like very controlling behavior, like abusively controlling behavior, right? Anybody who's going to say anything against me needs to be out of your life completely. Yeah. It's like sometimes I forget how terrible Angela is, you know, because she was, right. she's, she's been this abusive this entire time. Yes, absolutely. Right. Because it's like, you know, that, that behavior that she wants, right. They keep trying to conflate. She keeps trying to do every time he does stand up for himself. Actually, no, I don't want to answer the phone at four in the morning. I will call you back in yeah. the morning when I'm actually awake. Right. And yeah. she's like, don't control me like a Nigerian man. And it's like, that's, Nobody said anything about that, right? So she's kind of like – she has always had the attitude, if I don't call 100% of the shots, you're calling 100% of the shots and I don't I don't mess with that. And it's like we can't – like the, the idea of it, there's somebody – if she's not in control, he's in control is the way she, th- she sees it, right? Right. She doesn't yeah. see it as a partnership at all. Yeah. And I mean, even Lou kind of pointed it out, you know, like culturally, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, you know, Michael's going to want to say, but not in Angela's world. Lou even said, like, Angela wants all the say, which I, you know, Angela keeps on saying, I'm American. She didn't say it on this episode, but I mean, you know, in the past, she's always like, I'm American. I should have a say, blah, blah, blah. It's like Americans, like in American culture is like, yes, everybody has equal say. But Angela's like even saying like, no, you don't get a say at all. It's all what I want. Right. But that is, I know, I, I feel like we saw that a lot when it came to a lot of the cultural debates around the last year and stuff, right? It wasn't mm. – it was like, oh, we have this shared responsibility that we have to do. And it's like, no, my say is I'm not doing that. So screw you all. I'm going to do what I want, right? And yeah. so Angela definitely has a, no, I'm an, I'm an American. I'm going to do what I want. Nobody can stop me um, is definitely her attitude on things. But it's like, oh, man, like it, it's it's it, you can't go into a marriage like that, right? And it's definitely no. just she, – she doesn't understand like working together at all. Yeah. Like – Yeah. It, and so it's, I'm very confused about it because like every you know relationship I've had, I've never been like, well, who's calling the shots here? It's never even been like something I thought of, you know, right. it's like we are together and making decisions. Like why, why does this mean someone's calling the shots? Yeah. It's also frustrating to me because her attitude is also like, well, I've been single my whole life. I've had to make the decisions. I've had to take care of myself. And it's kind of like, yeah, well, if you have that same attitude and mentality, you're gonna be by yourself because you have left no room to have a partnership with anyone else. Yeah. Yeah. Very frustrating. Totally right. Yep. All right. So let's now go. Let's go to Jovi and Yara. Well, yeah, I guess both of them were in it. So anyway, we're back at Mrs. Gwen's house with Myla and Yara. She is finished with her COVID protocol. And Gwen seems like she's actually getting pretty ready for Yara to get out of her house. She feels bad that, you know, Yara was sick, but she's also been really bossy, even like just holding up her mug when she wanted more coffee. So Yara uses Gwen's old person computer to call Jovi. Jovi says that he has some bad news. They're keeping him on the job for a few more weeks. So he won't get back until the day after Christmas. They bicker about whether he planned or promised to be home in, after two, in two months. But Yara tells us that this means for her first year in the U.S., she will have only seen Jovi for three months. It also He also adds another bit of bad news. The lease on the apartment is up and she needs to move out of the apartment by the end of the month. 
Now, he was supposed to be back for that, but now because he's there for extra work, he won't be. Yara wants the new place to not be in New Orleans, where she will feel safer. So as a little small act of revenge, she is making her own choice about where they're going to live and isn't going to tell Jovi anything about it. So in the next scene, we see them, boxes packed up in the apartment, and Gwen and Barbara, who is Jovi's grandma and Gwen's mom, are there to help. They walk around the place and see that all the things are definitely not packed up yet. Uh, and their work is cut out for them. And the movers are going to be there, like, really soon. But anyway, they do end up getting anything out. The new place is about 45 minutes outside of New Orleans, which was going to put Yara's mind at ease. But Gwen worries about how Jovi is going to adjust to the quiet neighborhood that she picked. All right, so how do you think Jovi is going to adjust to the quiet neighborhood that she picked? He is not going to be happy about this. Um, but at the same time, it's like, what can you do? And I think it also depends on, you know, it's hard to say because we haven't seen wh mm -hmm. how he was living his day-to-day -day life with a baby, right? If he was living his day-to-day right. -day life and just like always inside taking care of the baby, I don't know if it would really make a difference if it's, you know, in the city or out in the burbs, you know, because I think that's why uh -huh. a lot of people end up moving out in the suburbs anyways, because it's like, well, I'm going to be spending a lot of time at home anyway, and right. so I might as well have some space. Right. You end up with, with when you have the kids, you're like, wait, all the things I like to do and I like to have about living in the city, I'm not actually doing any of them. Yeah. And now I just right. have no place to park and I have to lug my groceries <laughs> everywhere and like... This kind of sucks. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, it's hard to say because if Jovi was still in party mode, and quite honestly, it didn't seem like he was, but at the same time, he didn't right. really have a chance to be. It was like COVID times. Uh, you know, he was really sure. only there for when Milo was like a, a month, I want to say, before he had to leave for work again. So, right, I mean, right. it's really hard to say. You know, if Jovi would have ever reverted back to party Jovi. But if he did, move, mm -hmm. uh, you know, revert back to party Jovi, yeah, he's going to have a huge problem with this move. But he doesn't have a choice. But I get, And I get where Yara's coming from. She was like, well, why should you have a say about where we live? Because you don't actually live there. I'm living there. Yes. You're not. So I should be the one who gets to decide where it is because you're at work all the time. So why I have to live in your apartment is kind of sucky. And I want to live in a place that I want to live. And like, oh, yeah, I mean, I assume it was probably it's funny. I'm, I'm curious about the geography of it. It's, it's he said it was 45 mm -hmm. minutes away. I wonder if it's 45 minutes in the direction of Gwen's house. So all of a sudden yeah. Gwen is only 15 minutes away instead of an hour away. I think Jovi would kind of be OK with that, too, you know, because he mm -hmm. does like his uh, he likes his parents. It seems like he had a decent number of friends that still lived in the Bayou area. Right, so, right. You know, maybe it wouldn't be as tragic as he, you know, as, as it he could would be. Yeah, because not you're like you're completely isolated. It's not going to be strip clubs, you know, and this and that. But it could definitely be the crawfish boils and the day drinking, which would still be different. Yeah. <laughs> still be decent. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, so I'm kind of confused by Jovi's job. Like, I feel that there is some element of, you know, he's contracted for a certain amount of time. Uh huh. You know, yes, I understand things go wrong, but at the end of the day, I feel like it is still a choice of his to yeah. get stuck in these work situations. Yeah, I mean, it's it seems to me that's a pretty 
and I don't know anything about it, but it seems like a pretty bad contract right. to sign a contract for three months. And they're like, yeah, we need to stay another month. And you can't say no. Like, yeah. I feel like, no, yeah. that's the end of my con. My contract is over. If you want to sign another contract right. and they probably do my, 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 in my head, I think they probably sign another contract and it's probably a s- stupid amount of money that they give mm-hmm. you for the time that you have to stay extra. And so he's just like, I can't say no to this. Like, I can't say no to this, this, this money. More than more than them just being like, no, we're going to keep you trapped here for an extra month and you have yeah, no right. say over whether you can stay or not. Like, that seems a little different. But I feel like those are the conversations he needs to be having with Yara anyway, because right. maybe Yara is just like that extra money is not worth it. And, you know, it it's got to be tough if he really is thinking about it like. Being away from your baby for that long, it's like babies change so much within the first couple years, and he's mm-hmm. missing out on a lot. Oh, yeah, definitely. I don't know. Does does he really seem to be okay with that? I don't know. Yeah, like you're missing – you are missing a lot. And it's it, – but I just – I also wonder if it's one of those like, you know, one of those kind of like toxic company environments where it's just like, mm-hmm. oh, you said no? Well, you're not getting the next contract then. We'll find somebody else. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I could see that too. Yeah, but that's got to be tough for him because then at that point it's like, well, you you know, you're kind of stuck in it. But it's like, yeah. well, maybe that isn't the best kind of job for you then. Right. Well, and that's and that's what Yara has been saying to him. Now, I think this is a bad mm-hmm. time for her to keep harping on it. Like when he can't do anything, he's already gone. And he can't do anything about it. But I think yeah. she's right. She's like, listen, the the kind of job where you leave for four months is no longer the kind of job that fits your lifestyle anymore. Like you need to find yeah. something else. And I feel like I feel like he could. I don't think his skills are that specific, but who knows? Right. Yeah. All right. Um, so moving on to let's get Andre and Libby out of the way. Yeah. Right. So Andre has pulled over and asked Becky to get out of the RV so they can talk. Andre says Becky is being a drama queen, and Becky says she's tired of him trying to take advantage of her dad. Becky is especially suspicious because five years ago when she got into the family business, her dad Chuck didn't listen to any of her ideas. Libby, still on the RV, tries to get Chuck to get off the RV to mediate because the babies are crying and they want to get back on the road. Chuck comes out and says, no business talk on the RV. End of story. Later, they have made their way to North Carolina, where they are all in an Airbnb. Jen says she will never get back in the RV. Libby tells Andre to watch Ellie while she is cleaning up, and Andre uses the bathroom and just assumes that the family will keep an eye on uh, Ellie. Libby sees Ellie halfway up the stairs, and Ellie trips and falls backwards, and Libby catches her just in time. Andre and Libby argue and yell back and forth. About, you know, Andre going to the bathroom, not keeping an eye on her. Jen tells Libby that it can happen to anyone. It's not a big deal. And Ellie was probably more startled than her. Everyone piles back into the RV more agitated and tense than before. And I will add that, you know, the argument that Andre and uh, Libby were having was pretty heated. But it was a bunch of just yelling nonsense back and forth. All right, so uh, Andre claims that, you know, he had to go to the bathroom, uh, even though it was his responsibility for watching Ellie. So at that point, what should Andre have done to make sure Ellie was safe? Um, Like, it requires, like, talking to, like, one other person. Be I like, know, right? hey, I got to run to the bathroom real quick. Can you keep an eye on Ellie? 
on, on, yeah. like there's got to be somebody else. That's literally all it took. Like, and so I was, it was really, really dumb how, and, and I think it was Jen that pointed it out. Like he's uh-huh. upset because he knows he's wrong. Like that's why he's so upset. Like, it, it, and so arguing with him isn't going to help or isn't going to make him feel like, isn't going to settle him down. Like, no. because it was, because when you're a dad and you have a two-year-old, then yeah, he's like, I can't even take piss without something happening. It's like, yeah, that's exactly right. That's what being a parent <laughs> is for those years. You can't even take a piss. Like you have to yeah. make sure your kid is watched even while you're taking a piss. Like that is how it works. I think the other thing that he was really upset about, but I don't think him yelling is really helping the situation is he feels that he's ganged up on. You know, and having Chuck and Libby on his side kind of makes it seem more even, especially given this RV situation because you got Becky and uh, Jen and thankfully Charlie is on a flight. But I think he thinks like, okay, well, if I'm in it with Libby right now and we're not on good terms, it's going to make everything that much worse. And it just looks that much worse. Like no one's on my side, you know, and then even Libby is the one calling Andre a dick, you know, and it's kind of like, yeah, don't you get on your sisters for calling him names and you're turning around and calling him names. I mean, it just it just seems like. But that's just their whole family takes everything and he fits in with them because they take everything to 100, right? I mean, she caught Ellie on the stairs. Mm -hmm. First of all, she was most likely being super overdramatic. She flew backwards off the stairs and I like had to catch her barely before she won. Or she would have fallen all the way down the stairs. Okay. First of all, two-year-olds have fallen down the stairs before. It's unfortunate and scary, but it, it happens, right? And second of all, it's like, but what did she do when that happened? Did she, oh my God, Andre, you have to be more careful. Or did she probably start screaming at Andre? Like, oh, why weren't you Andre, watching her? Like, just screaming at him 100%, yeah. right? And so they just, they, they never talk to each other. They just scream at each other, right? Mm-hmm. Or they just scream or whatever talk. They, they, they always assume the worst of whoever their, their object of their, of their statement. I thought Andre was yeah. watching the kid because she probably started screaming at him. Maybe, and he might have said, Oh, I, I asked Becky to watch Ellie while I went to the bathroom, but he was, hmm. she wouldn't have known that because she was probably already screaming at him. Yeah. And so he starts screaming back. It's just like, they just communicate by, and that's like I said, it just assuming the worst of whoever it is. Yeah. Yeah. They're just, it's difficult for me to watch them because it's like just constant fighting. And it's yeah. like, well, who's Andre going to be against today? Andre versus Libby. Andre sure. versus Jen. Andre versus Charlie, Andre versus Becky. It's like, it seems like it changes all the time. And it's just like, I don't know. Maybe you should like reflect on who is the person who is fighting with everyone all the time. It's Andre. So I do agree with you in that, you know, it's like how he kind of reacts and, you know, like what had uh, Jen had said, like he's upset because people are upset with him and he knows he's wrong. Mm-hmm. But like, so, in yeah. the, I, I get it because like he is objectively outside too. of that. But outside of that, I wouldn't like dealing with him. He's an asshole. Like he is yeah. an asshole, and he is a dick. Like oh, we stop in North Carolina because no one else can drive truck. Only I can handle truck, and so they should just be <sighs> yeah. thanking me for every second that I'm in truck. Like, and it's like, okay, like 
yeah, you're the one who agreed to drive the bus. You have the most comfortable seat and you're not getting car sick. And okay. Like, but it's, you know, he, he always wants, he seems to always want credit for everything all the time. Like, yeah. and is upset if he doesn't get the credit. It's like, I couldn't, he's a tough, I, I imagine he is because of that, a, a pretty tough dude to deal with. And, but because oh, yeah. it would be easy to just let it roll off your back. All right, Becky, we won't talk about the things. We won't talk about it anymore. Right. Like, it, it would be super easy to make the her entire family seem unreasonable, and he just won't do it. <laughs> he just won't right. do it. Honestly, I think he kind of owes that family. Didn't they pay for him to go to trucking, trucking school, school to get yeah. a commercial license to begin with? So it's like the least you can do is mm-hmm. chauffeur them around for, you know, one lousy family vacation trip because he has not paid them back for that school. Could you imagine working with that guy? He's the guy you got to like manage and kind of trick into thinking he's in charge all the time or else he blows up. You have to be like, oh, yeah, that's. I definitely think that's what Chuck is doing right now. You know? Yeah. And I think that's also what's pissing off Becky. Like her whole right. argument was like, hey, I had all these ideas too. Dad just like put me in my place and was just like, okay, you got to learn the business. And I think Chuck is just like, Okay, he's got to learn the business, but I think he's entertaining these ideas. I don't know if he's going to actually do them, but no, it's like, but it's a different. He's, he's figured a, it he's, out. He's he's differentiating his instruction, and he, he this yes. guy needs to feel like he's come. He's the one with the ideas, and like you kind of nudge him in the right direction and get him to think the ideas that you want to think, but make him think, oh wow, that's really smart, Andre. You're very mm-hmm. at the top of things and in charge. Like it's just a different style of managing somebody. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know how I feel about managing people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Let's move on. Other people that need to be managed, and that is Ronald. So we'll get to Tiffany oh, gosh. and Ronald. So Ronald and Daniel are already fixing stuff in the room. The cardboard uh. boxes that he painted to the floor because he put them on the wet paint. Anyway, Tiffany's satisfaction for how well the house is put together is tempered by his bachelor fridge that had six eggs, hot sauce, and a beer. Ronald says he just didn't have the time for groceries, and he's, you know, actually kind of surprised the beer was still there. But Tiffany thinks that he spent all the all the grocery monies on the room. So the whole family goes to the market, and Tiffany has a lot of things to say about the food. Um, and he's upset that they only get two they only get two weeks worth of food because he doesn't want them to leave. When they go to pay, it costs a little more than two hundred and fifty dollars, and Ronald oh is about fifty dollars short. So we get home and they unpack the groceries and Ronald is very excited. And Tiffany keeps saying he overdid it, especially since, you know, he couldn't – she had to help pay, cover the cost of the groceries. Then Carly starts to get cranky and Tiffany is upset that Ronald just can't handle everything. He should be able to put away the groceries and handle the cranky child. She just wants to go to sleep. But, you know, when Ronald tries to take over and gives her a plastic bag to play with, oh, Tiffany decides that maybe it's not the time to, for her to go to sleep. So she gets very frustrated whenever she asks – she is out in the living room asking for help and Ronald is like, I can't come. I'm mopping the floor. I'm mopping the floor. I'll be there. I'm done. I can't come. So anyway, the same pattern continues the next day. Ronald is too busy making a sandwich to help change Carly. Ronald says he can't handle poop diapers. But Tiffany doesn't remember that being part of the agreement that they came to when they had the kid. Um, the pattern continues – I'm sorry. When it comes back – to the poop diapers, and they keep continuing this circular, like, 
argument where she says you're not helping enough and he says you're not appreciating how much I'm doing. So when it comes back to the poop typers, he says that he had a, he does have a choice not to change him because he has a wife and that gets <sighs> her to get up and leave. She gives him the ultimatum that if things don't get easier for her, they'll leave before Christmas. But this makes him feel like he's being controlled and that she is being unfair. So let's start with that ultimatum. What do you feel? How do you feel about the kind of, it was an ultimatum that she said. Like, what was that? Yes. And I don't think it was really incredibly fair because that's not how you want it to be. Like, you don't want to have to threaten or manipulate someone into being the kind of partner you want them to be, right? Right. It's going to, even if it works and even if he does step up and be the partner that you are imagining him being, he uh-huh. is going to be incredibly resentful. And now this is a challenge in your relationship, right? So I think there are better ways that she could have really got the end result the way she wanted. I think uh, maybe trying with the empathy part. And I know he's kind of a blockhead a little bit, right? It takes mm-hmm. a lot to like kind of sink in. So who knows if Tiffany's actually tried this strategy before, but really going the path of, listen, I do all this stuff all the time at home. You know, like I didn't have a choice to ease into it like he is claiming that he needs to ease into parenthood. That really kind of pissed me off that Uh he was just like, I don't understand why you just want me to like take care of the kids. And all of a sudden I have to take care of the kids. Let's let's ease me into the parenthood. I've never done this before. It's like, yeah, most parents have never done this. (laughs) Like first time parents have never done this before. Do you think that they're just like, oh, you know, I have someone else taking my care of my kid and I'll maybe take care of him for a couple hours today day and you know a few more hours the next day and just let me ease into this it's like no it's Mm -hmm. full on you don't get sleep you're worrying all the time if you're doing things right you're Mm -hmm. having to figure stuff out on your own and yeah maybe it's not perfect and that's the thing that i think tiffany is like she doesn't need it to be perfect but she needs him to try because i think she is very good about praising him for the little things that he does do. But I think she gets really frustrated when he just doesn't even try. Right, right. I mean, it's like, so, you know, it it, it reminds me of, it's another thing managing with people, right? When you're managing people Mm -hmm. too, you always end up with that person who really wants to throw themselves into something that is not important. And you're like, you need to focus on something else right now. What you're doing is not, not that it's not valuable, not that it doesn't need done. It is not a priority right now. Like there are other fires we need to put out. You need to stop doing that, right? Yeah. And that was him the entire time, right? She was like, oh, this kid is squirming and going crazy and doing anything. And he's like, can't, I'm mopping the floor. And it's like, okay, the floor is still going to need to get mopped later when she's asleep and in bed and you can do it then. But he's just like, nope, I already started doing something. How dare you tell me what not to do? And I do kind of I, – I think his point was not a good one. His point of mm-hmm. why should you – I'm doing something. So as long as I'm contributing something in any way, you should just cut me all the slack, right? Yeah. And that I can ease into it. Maybe I'll take – I'll just do one thing and you can watch the kid and then I'll do another thing and you can watch the kid. But whatever, as long as I'm, as long as I'm being productive, you should just leave me alone and let me do it, right? It's not the right thing, but – she was veering very close to, but you need to do it the way I do it or you're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. Right? Which is not another good way to do it. 
which is not a good way to Honestly, do it. Honestly, though, yeah, I don't know. I feel like she might be a little bit more forgiving because the way he's doing it, like giving a kid a plastic bag. <laughs> when I saw that, I was like, they're, like, at least in America, there's usually some kind of warning sign at the bottom of your plastic bag. You should not be giving kids plastic ba- bags That's to true. play with because they stick their heads in them and they could suffocate. And it's just like, here, play with this like very dangerous item. Here you go, Carly. It's just like, oh my gosh, idiot. I'm not even a parent and I know that you shouldn't give a kid a plastic bag to play with. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, and and he does, and they did kind of show us like everything he does is half-assed, right? Even when he throws himself into it, threw himself into that room and painted cardboard boxes to the floor. And he threw himself into the groceries and bought twice as much as he intended to buy. Way too much, yeah. Way too much, right? And like, So, but those are the things where I feel like he wants, but I was throwing myself into something. I should get credit for that. And she's like, I just want to go to sleep. You get credit when I can go to sleep. Now, I do think that the ultimatum thing, I'm with him on that. That was kind of bullshit, right? To basically be holding it against you. I will take your kids away from you unless you Mm -hmm. can do X, Y, Z in this, in this amount of time. Like, mm, that's not a, that is a controlling situation. That's not a, that's not a, 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 a working together type thing. Right. I think it's one of those things where it's kind of almost like Angela and Michael, you know, she's trying to get a specific kind of result by threatening this thing, Mm -hmm. you know, and using that to control someone. And, you know, it's. It's just not the way to go because, like I said before, you know, it's like just creating this hostile environment. Yeah, you may get the results, but and the two the thing too is the thing she kept keeps saying, right? What mm-hmm. she wants, right? What is she testing out here? What does she want to see? Does she want to see if they can be happy as a family? Does she want to see if it's better for the kids? No, she doesn't want either of those things. Will this be easier for me? Yeah, that's what I'm testing. Will your will being with you make my life easier? That is the deciding factor onto whether or not I'm staying here. Will it make my life better? Like, and so that and he's not thinking on those lines at all. Like he he, I mean, he is being selfish, but at least he's being selfish in the terms of I think it will be better for my children if they grew up here with their mother and their father in the country that I love so much, right? Yeah. But it doesn't seem like she has the kids. I would say best interest at heart because I feel like she does at the end, but the way she's evaluating this situation is, is it easier for me? Right, right. Well, you know what would have been easier is freaking Ronald just like didn't paint the floor and just decided to get a rug instead. <laughs> like, I don't understand why, why on earth you would paint the floor. No, you could get like a carpet frag, a carpet scrap and put it down there. Yes, exactly. It's like, I get it that, you know, if it's just like a concrete floor, how it probably doesn't have the best look, looks very garage-like. I get that. But there's other options. And I don't know about but with you, but concrete floors, if you walk around like in socks on them, it chews up your socks. Mm-hmm. Right? Especially like garage floors because they're not that smooth. Like I get it. But like, yes, I feel like an area rug. I'm sure you could go get a carpet remnant and put that down. Yeah. Painting the floor – was never going to be the right. And you could probably get, oh, I would, you could even go get like the laminate from, um, well, you know, like the little piece that snapped together from yeah, Home Depot. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Very, very odd choice. Okay. Speaking of odd choices, like it frustrates me so much 
when I go grocery shopping with a group, you know, and I'm thinking specifically like, you know, if you run a vacation home and you're like going with, you know, other people that you don't typically live with, right? And you go grocery shopping. It is such a shit show because there usually is no plan. And it frustrates me when there is no plan because you, at the end of the day, you come home with a bunch of food and a lot of food and you're like, how the hell am I going to make a meal out of all this Frankenstein food that we have? Because that was yeah. what Tiffany was saying. She was like, what is this? Well, I could have made that for one. <laughs> for two, like, what am I supposed to do with that yeah. can of, uh, like, what did she call it? Brie something? Oh, Bry there was the, something? There, yeah, but there were the Bry starving. He was like, but he was like, Oh, it's tomatoes and it's tomatoes and rice. And he was like, she was like, I could put tomatoes and rice. What is, yeah. Why would I do oh, I think this? it was tomatoes and onions. It was like a to- tomatoes jar of and tomatoes and onions. You know, so <laughs> something like that where it's just like, all right, are you just going to eat a like spoonful of tomatoes yeah, like, and onions? Like, is it supposed to go on something? This is an ingredient for which meal that you're producing. <laughs> and it's like, right, oh, exactly. Like, and so I yeah. just – I feel like that was what the shopping trip was. And even if you look at all the meat, you think they're going to eat all that meat in two weeks? I mean, first of all, Carly's probably not eating like crap ton of meat. Oh, no. She, I bet she doesn't. But it, it, it no. I mean it was clear with the – we're talking about the cereal. Like he's trying to get them to stay for longer and is yes. like, well, we got to buy enough food for you guys to stay for longer. I don't want to like give you the impression that I think you're leaving in two weeks and we're going to buy enough food for a long time. And it's like, yeah. I don't think that's what's going to keep them there. You don't think the French, the French poloni, there's still French poloni to eat. <laughs> Who's going to eat all that chicken in the fridge? You know, you guys, now you have to stay. Otherwise, all this food is going to waste. I don't think that's keeping them there. It's a, uh, it's a bit ridiculous. Yeah, that poloni. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Pink baloney. <laughs> Oh, but it's French, so it's fancy. So, yeah, it does. It makes it fancy. All right. Uh, next up, we have Brandon and Julia. So, Brandon and Julia are going to look for apartments in matching wannabe spy outfits. Julia is shocked at the cost of rent in America. Julia loves the first place they look at because it's large enough for all of Julia's stuff and for Brandon to skateboard from room to room. Julia wants to move in and doesn't care about the $1,800 a month price tag, whereas Brandon thinks it's much too large for the two of them. Brandon awkwardly tries to leave the realtor without making any kind of commitment. And then while alone, he tries to explain to Julia that they just simply don't have enough money for that rent. And Julia is frustrated because it doesn't feel like they're making any progress on moving off the farm. Brandon assures her that they can still move out, just not into that apartment. Julia is even more determined to get a job so they can afford a nice apartment. Brandon has helped her apply for a dance instructor job at a gym in Richmond. This doesn't start off so great as Julia walks in (laughs) with Brandon and they're late. Brandon thinks that Julia's dance style might be a little too sexy for this job. She's interviewing with David as he describes what kinds of classes she would be doing, which is basically strength training while dancing. As he's speaking, Julia changes into heels. She, as her impromptu dance for the interview, basically starts (laughs) go-go dancing for him while David watches from behind. David tells us that the dance was a little risque and how are people going to get on the floor? 
<laughs> it ends up that Julia actually needs some certifications and David directs her to how to get that started. So Julia then is frustrated that this will mean she can't be earning money right away. All right, so that <laughs> Mr. O had so texted funny. me <laughs> about the job interview, and I was like, "What job interview?" And then when I saw it, I was like, "Oh my gosh, what's happening right now?" <laughs> oh, that 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 dance at the job interview is one of the funniest things we've seen all year. That's one oh, of the funniest things that's been on the show all goodness. season. It was so inappropriate. And then David, <laughs> David, David. Really needs a dance instructor very, very badly, I think. Yeah. David just was kind of like, uh, it was hard to tell what his, uh, like, his actual, like, because he had a mask on. Right, because right. he had a mask on, right. But he was just like watching it from behind. And I'm going to put this in, I think David was like, maybe surprised and a bit confused what he was watching. He was like, this is supposed to be he a dance class? He seemed to already start getting confused as soon as the heels came out. He was like, um... Yes. Uh-oh. <laughs> right, right. Because I can imagine that the typical dance instructor for this class is probably wearing, like, gym shoes, some yeah. yoga pants, and, like, yep. you know, a, a crop top, like, sports bra type thing. That's what I yes. imagine the typical dance instructor's wearing. Not... Absolutely. Oh, gosh. Plastic, clear plastic heels. It's actually funny. I have a friend. uh, He lives in Hawaii, and he told me that that was the sign of a prostitute in Honolulu was if they wore, like, the glass, um, you know, like, the clear heels. And so I didn't know what he was talking about until I was out and about, and then I saw them everywhere, and I was just like, like, oh, oh, yeah, okay, 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 I know what this means. So now I definitely associate, like, any kind of clear heel with, like – sex worker so interesting choice of shoes julia um but yeah it was very weird it it's like this is like as she says like health club you know this gym isn't club. like it a is dance gym studio it is gym club yeah it's not a dance studio so it just seems very misplaced and weird what kind right. of jobs do you think Julia should actually be looking for? And the thing is, is I actually, I actually think she probably could do that job. Like I do think she's enough of a pro at dancing that if you were like, no, 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 that's not the kind of dancing we do here. Yes. We do this kind of dancing, and she could be like, okay, cool, I'll do that. Right? I think she could do that. But it was just, I don't think maybe they don't have like aerobics classes that involve dancing and like in, in Russia that she's used to, or maybe it was just like a big like thing that we're doing, but I feel like Zumba is pretty popular, right? Like, Oh yeah. Globally, yeah I want to say, so she's probably seen, yeah. Zumba class or something. I'm, I'm sure she's a skilled enough dancer that she can tone it to the correct audience. Oh, and she yeah, doesn't need she to could. go. She doesn't need to be on the floor, like doing her, doing her splits and things on the floor at all I times. Know. Right. So, I, I think she could do it. Um, it just is a matter of, of of understanding what the what the requirements of the dance are. But I mean, right? It just, and she wasn't. It wasn't. If it was in like a club, and she was the dancer at the club, that would be. She'd be good at it, right? That was a fine yeah. club dance, right? It was. Yeah. It was. She wasn't a bad dancer. It was just she was. A, it was an inappropriate dance for the for this environment. So, but like. I mean, I feel like that's what she's got to go for. She's got to get the uh, – she's got to find a club that needs dancers because that's that's, yeah. where, that's where her bread is buttered, I guess. I don't know right. if they have many I think in that, Richmond. 
or I don't know if they still have these around, but um, there was that club, uh, S-Factors, like a gym, not like a club club. S-Factors, they did like pole dancing um, classes and things like that, but like for fitness. So, right, uh, right. you know, something like that I think she'd be great at. Yeah, but it's but the and the, even the, the pole dancing is that thing. It's like, but it always ends up because when you're doing the pole dancing for fitness, you're holding your body up, you're exercising mm-hmm. your upper body. You know, you're you're using you're doing strength training. It's not going to be the part where she's going to be like, all right, well, we're going to get our asses a little bit farther on the floor, make it a little bit sexier when you slap your ass. <laughs> like that's even still, that's not going to happen, right? So she mm-hmm. could. That probably is a little bit more in line with what with what she's doing. But I I don't know. I think. I think it's I think it's a reasonable job. I think she's better off doing that than the um event planning that apparently we just are complete for, completely forgetting about. Abandoned. You know what I think yeah, it is totally is that abandoned. Julia Yeah, Julia wants what is the easiest thing I can do to make cash immediately. So right. I am going to have to think about what is in my skill set, what do I have experience with. So I think this is why she's coming to the conclusion, you know, that these are the kinds of jobs she should be applying for. Sure. I do understand her frustration with, well, I consider myself an expert at this. Why do I have to take your stupid certifications? It's not that difficult. I'm not... You know, lives are not hanging in the balance. I'm not a doctor. Don't need to be certified to teach dance. But I don't well, I mean, know. Maybe I, well, you the, should be. Honestly, the certif- the certification she probably has to do is probably CPR. It's probably like first aid in case somebody like yes, like something there's a medical sure. emergency in her class. It's almost certainly what the certifications are, right? And and so I I, I understand why you need to do that. I need to do that to oh, be right, a coach, right? right? Yeah. And so I mean, those are those are things that are there, but. Like, I also get what she was like. I'm not a doctor. Like, I understand I can't just yeah. go be a doctor, but you tell me I need certifications. Because there are certain fields that do have certifications that are basically there to keep people out. But these certifications for her is just going to be like, you know, go do these online classes, go through them, you know, do go, stop into a place and, you know, pound on the dummy's chest for 30 compressions and you're good. Like, you're good to go. Like, let's go. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But because I definitely got the impression that, you know, after this whole COVID lack of work thing that David was just like, listen, I need a body that can get these certifications and you're hired. Yeah. But like, let's, sure. let's, let's just do it. Yeah. I don't know what else though she could really do. My friend is actually um, in a similar-ish boat, except maybe, maybe a little different. Uh, she quit her job and right now she's fine with being unemployed because she just needs a break and she's going to, you know, start applying for jobs again in a couple months. But for in mm-hmm. the meantime, she just wants to take like a day job, make some, make a little bit of money, you know, just kind of decide if she wants to work that day or not. I mean, I was telling sure. her, I was like, maybe you should be a substitute teacher. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> That's exactly what I did when yeah. I had that situation. I did substitute teaching. Yep. They right, call you and you're right. going to be like, nah, I don't feel like it today. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But it's funny. Um, but she's like, well, I'll probably hopefully be employed by the time the school year starts. But, you know, thinking Fair. about that, you know, and I want to say, at least in California, I don't know how it is over out where y'all are, but it's fairly easy to be a substitute teacher. You basically just have to take a test that is a high school equivalency and not even like you know, like college prep. Oh, I don't even know. I don't like. even know if you have to do that. I think here, at least when at least when I got it, when I did it in North Carolina, you had to. Mm-hmm. There were two requirements: uh, Are you twenty one and do you have a college degree? Oh, really? Okay. 
That, that was it. Well, I don't know. <laughs> that if, was it. I don't know if she has a college degree. I don't even know if you have to have a college degree in California. You just have to pass this test, which is, like I said, oh. kind of a very low high school equivalency test. I mean, the math that's on it is like, can you read this graph? And it, it substitute teachers are babysitters. They're not. They're not doing any instruction. Yeah. Like, and so I, I get. It comes in. Not that they're not valuable, not that there's good substitutes and bad substitutes, and it's not mm-hmm. that it's easy, but it's like it's not the same job as what you're requiring from a teacher in terms of academic. Um, no, sure. But like, yeah. okay, so why didn't Brandon just tell her that um, he would have been rejected for that apartment had they applied for it? Why is he like playing like the, oh, yeah. It's so dumb to me. It's like. Why are all these people going in? And we saw this with Robert and Annie, too, right? When they were looking at apartments because she wanted a two-bedroom place. It's like, why are these people not going in with a budget in mind and being like, this is what I can't afford. Let's only look at places like this. And I get that realtors tend to like be like, oh, well, let's see if you can afford a little more. Let's look at this and like kind of hope that you'll – yeah. yeah, trying to stretch your budget a little bit, make something but work. But this one is really exactly what you're looking for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They mm-hmm, do that all the time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but it's just like, yeah, with this situation, it's like, what's the point? They don't need three bedrooms. They they don't need three bedrooms. Like, no. they don't need the space. And I'm sure, like, 1800 he's not getting, uh, based on what they're telling us about his finances, he's not getting mm-hmm. that lease without a cosigner. Like he's not. Oh God! And so and Ron the and fact Betty? that he's saying, "Well, it's like yeah. outside of our budget," and he where he should have just been like, "Yeah, we can't afford. They won't give us that apartment if we applied for it." Like <laughs> they they would say, "You can't afford this apartment." I wonder if Ron and Betty would like refuse to co-sign because they don't want them to move. I would imagine they would. How are you going to ask for to co-sign? And he's like, "You you told me you can handle it by yourself. I'm not going to co-sign you." Yeah. yeah, I mean, they don't need the third bedroom anyway, which means they can probably no. get. And they, they really don't need a second bedroom. Honestly, no, they really it's just don't. two of them. It's the two of them, you know, and none of them are looking at working from home. Yeah. I mean, they could get, I mean, they could get a one bedroom. They could probably get it, like he said, for like a, probably $1,000 a month, right? And they'd yeah. be fine. But no, no, they got to do this yeah. for us. Like, and they're, see, you said spies. I thought she dressed him up like he was Steve Jobs or something. I was very concerned. I don't like, know. The black turtle. No, but the two of them together with like their <laughs> yeah. black well, outfits. They had the, they had like, the aviator happening? and the aviator sunglasses they had. Yes. <laughs> you know, it, was, it was something. It was not a good look. And especially with the jeans, I was just like, what am I looking at exactly here? The black jeans too. Yeah, right. Everything was black on to toe. Just, oh, All right. So stupid. now let's go to the last group. That is Mike and Natalie. So Natalie is mysteriously at someone named Juliana's house speaking Ukrainian or Russian. The captions actually just said foreign language. And anyway, Juliana was <laughs> someone she met online and um, and she and she and Mike are having dinner over there. She immigrated from, from Russia with her husband who moved for work. As they prepare the food, Natalie tells her about her plan to have surgery on her nose because of her constant sinus problems. And apparently the surgery is next week. It's kind of a big deal because, according to Natalie, insurance won't cover it. And Mike doesn't even know she set up the operation yet. Natalie is hoping by telling him in front of Juliana um, that it won't turn into a yelling session. Mike shows up with flowers and a positive attitude about Natalie having friends. While he's cutting the pickles, Natalie lets him know about the surgery he scheduled. He stays calm, but in the interviews, calls it a giant bomb. He doesn't mention the money and is more 
concerned about the planning around it. Then they put Natalie in a big crown of flowers and they eat the food. Juliana brings up the surgery and Mike says, you know, he's wants to be there. And, um, then, you know, she just adds to the chorus of everybody who just says they need better communication. So a little while later, they're doing some very basic truck maintenance because it's important for Natalie to know how to care for her truck since she didn't have to do it at all in Ukraine. But, you know, American girls can do everything. I mean, he brings up how she left him out of the planning for the operation, which she kind of plays dumb about and says, I already told you about it. She admits that she was avoiding telling him in an interview, but she gets very aggressive about things while he's putting on the windshield wipers. She brings up how she told Melanie, who was apparently the lady at the doctor's office, how she's all alone in the U.S. and has no one to help her. Mike calls that a lie. Then he leaves and calms down a bit and tries to give her another chance to, you know, talk about what's going on with this operation. But instead, she just tries to continue the same fight. All right. So I we all agree that their communication is terrible. But who was the le- less effective communicator in this particular instance? I think that probably Natalie. I could understand Mike's frustration. Um you yeah. know, especially because and she had said that the insurance wasn't likely going to cover it or they weren't sure. And uh-huh. I think that was part of the reason why she was hiding it from him, because she didn't want to hear about, you know, because she said she's scared that Mike uh, would worry about the money situation because she thinks Mike's always worried about money. And I think she Mm -hmm. said that she, you know, she would pay for it. But and that's why she was like, well, I don't need to include him. But it's like she was intentionally keeping things from him. So and then also the throwing someone's name into the conversation, like he should know who that is. Who's Melanie? Right. And he was like, Yeah, especially when it's exactly the point. We're talking about how you don't tell me anything, and then you just name drop somebody you've never talked about before. And it's like Right. And he was like, This is exactly what I'm talking about. You never tell me anything. Like I was and I was Natalie lost me as soon as she had that big interview where she was like, I'm afraid to tell Mike because of the money and I'm nervous because I scheduled this without talking to him and blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. And then he goes, I'm frustrated that you scheduled this without talking to me. And she was like, I did tell you about it. And it's like, no, you didn't. You know you didn't. No. You told us in an interview that you didn't. Like, you know. Oh, That's goodness. so frustrating. Yeah. And I also feel like she was very manipulative and conniving about how she brought it up. Oh, totally. She knows that Mike would not you know, yell at her or whatever, react poorly in front of someone else. So she 100% planned this with her friend because it was very obvious Mike was trying to make a good impression with the friend as well. He brought them Mm -hmm. both flowers, you know, and even like when he, you know, was reacting to the news, he was just kind of like, oh, well, when is this happening? I'll, you know, be sure to take time off of work and, you know, take you to the surgery. And it was just like, yeah, that was too nice. It was very much the uh-huh. other way. And I was waiting for him to lose his shit because you know he was going to. But he right. waited until they were by themselves. And so mm-hmm. it's it was pretty obvious that she thought that she could soften the blow by doing this in front of friends. And it's not like we haven't seen people just in general in life do this. It's like, oh, you yeah. know, that's why they say, you know, oh, break up with someone in a public place. They can't freak out in public, right? And freak out in front of other people. So kind of she was doing the same thing here. 
Yeah, and I I feel like he actually was okay about not flipping his lid until she blatantly lied to him. Until she did that thing where he was like, oh, what's going on? Why didn't you tell me about it? And she's like, I did tell you about it. And then he was like, well, now – now we're in bullshit land. Like now we're now yeah. we're in fantasy land where you're just going to make stuff up and and things are going to go wrong. Because I felt like, I mean, he yelled right, but uh-huh. it was like I, this time I could follow him and he did stay on topic in terms of yeah. that he didn't go right off. He stayed once. on. The, I'm angry about this specific thing, and you didn't tell me about it. I was worried about it. It's a major operation. I feel like. You know, you should have been keeping me posted. And all I heard was one time three months ago, you said, hey, I might need a surgery down the line. And all of a sudden I hear, oh, yeah, it's next week. Like, and then he did the whole thing where he was mad about it. He left and he came back and he said, okay, we both said our words. So tell me what's up. Like that was, to me, that sounded like that was his invitation to be like, well, you know, I have a deviated septum and they want to go in there and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And did she say that? No. She was like, I can't believe I'm all alone and you didn't tell me about it. This is why I don't tell you anything. And it was like, oh my God. Like I, I, was, I was, this time, this, I'm not always on Team Mike, but this time I was on Team Mike. Well, I think the reason why it was easier to be on Team Mike this time and not other times is because you're right. He was more coherent and more on, you know, like what it was that he was mad at because it's one of the few times he actually has something to legitimately be mad at. You <laughs> know, true. a lot of the times he's just like, <laughs> All over the place because he doesn't really know what he's mad at. He knows that she's having some kind of reaction. He feels the need to have to defend himself. And so it's like he's not really mad at anything specifically other than the situation. And so he brings in all these random things. And so he isn't always so focused. And he had a good frustrating. She is living in this weird, why are you going around telling the lady at the doctor's office that there is nobody here for you? I yeah. Like I'm, I'm paying for you to have a place to live. I feed you every day. I would have driven you to the doctor had you asked me to. And you're over there telling me I have no one. Like, come mm-hmm. on. Like that's that's extremely frustrating. Yeah. Like she just makes up these. She makes up these situations in her head where she is, where she does that. And he's right. She is this victim of everything all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough though. Um, I've kind of realized this a little bit about myself. I definitely feel that my identity is somehow rooted in like being a victim sometimes and it's very weird how you know it kind of manifests itself but maybe she's just one of those kinds of people that like you know sees it's almost like she feels like she's truly herself when she's like in these situations where she is a victim if if you're i mean i see it i mean it's definitely something needs a lot of exploration but if you're unhappy Right. There's Mm -hmm. two choices. You did something wrong or somebody did something to you. And it's way easier to just be like, this must be everybody else's fault um, that I'm unhappy. Right. Definitely. Uh, Okay. I had one other random question. So when Mike was opening the pickle jar, he hit the back of it a bunch of times. Why do you do that? It's like some kind of trick to opening a pickle jar. It's supposed to, I, I, people do that as a, um, a trick to opening the jar. It's supposed to like, you know, the when you hit it, it's supposed to have like compressions or shock waves that get sent through the jar. If it's supposed to make it easier to open or whatever. Okay. I don't know. I usually just run it under hot water if I can't open the jar and it just pops yeah, right open. Yeah, same, same. <laughs> <laughs> I would do the exact same thing. All right. Okay. Uh, so I think that's all of our couples this week. So yes, who it is. was your student of the week? Uh, I went with, uh, I went side character. I went with Mrs. Gwen and I like calling her Mrs. Oh, Gwen now because that's what Yara calls I her. I know it's cute. 
Yeah. I love it. Okay, so my student of the week was uh, the goofballs because I also had sure. a side character. So I'm yeah. sorry you didn't go on about. No, I was just what saying they both they, they, both of them are on the same ride. They're just they're 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 doing what's right for the other people, even though they're kind of taking a lot of crap for it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would say the goofballs, like I had mentioned before, like they were good friends. You know, they mm-hmm. were there. Michael calls, they're there. You know, yeah. so. They're giving him like pretty good advice, I would say. Yeah, I, and I said when I did my thing, I was actually kind of crazy. If you closed your eyes, obviously the voice wasn't right. But imagine like what an Angela say if you talk to her right now, and like right. he was like, "Yes, that is it. That is exactly what Angela would say. Good yes, job, goofball." Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, they they know this situation, so yeah, yeah definitely. All right, what about your dunce? Uh, I went with Andre. Um, mm-hmm. Just. He just spent the whole time being cocky, picking fights, and like, like especially doing that super annoying thing where I'm wrong, so I'm just going to get more mad at everybody else. Yeah, that's so frustrating. Yeah, um, I actually went dunce with Yara. Um, I okay. thought that – so speaking of Mrs. Gwen being student of the week, Gwen was so patient with her and Yara was yeah. not making it easy, calling her Mm-mm. computer st- like old – um, you know, making fun of like, you know, just the computer, which is like stupid all in itself, but just how she talked to her. Yeah. And maybe they have that kind of rapport where it's like funny to them and they both understand that it's a joke. But even Gwen was saying, you know, like she's kind of demanding. She's kind of bossy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the whole thing where, you know, they hired movers and she didn't lift a freaking finger, but Gwen and Barbara were supposed to be packing things up last minute. And you're yeah. just like, oh, I'm holding the baby. Y'all do it. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's just like, oh, my gosh, you can make other people's lives easier considering they're trying to help you at the end of the day. Right. Well, and, and she did mention, like, I think I've made a mistake with this baby because it won't let me put it down. It's like, well, you know yeah. how you undo that mistake is you start putting the baby down and let her cry it out a couple of times. She'll live. Right. It'll be fine. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. Put the baby down and gets pack up this kitchen. All right. Yeah. What about your life lesson? Uh, so this goes – apparently I've known people who have done this for job interviews, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, from talking to people who have done job interviews, it's insane how many people come into job interviews having done absolutely no research about the job they're interviewing for. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and so that but but maybe one of the thing one of the many, many things I thought of with Julia was that. Like, wouldn't you know, like you're working at a gym. Did you not like look at YouTube as to what kind of like classes they have at gyms, what kind of dances they have? Like Mm-hmm. What, what, what does it look like? And nothing, nothing. But apparently people do that all the time. I've heard all kinds of stories about that. Uh, people have been like, they never even Googled our company and they came and interviewed yeah. for us. What were they doing? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. All right. What's your life lesson? Um, Mine was uh, having to do with Michael and Angela, although it would apply to other couples too. If you fear telling your partner what you really want, you're just always going to be unhappy either because you'll never get what you really want or you're with a partner who doesn't care what you really want. And so that was one of the things that Michael had said. You know, he was just like, well, I've been afraid to like tell her what I want. You know, it's just like, well, guess what? If you don't say anything, you're going to be unhappy. So. Right. I mean, yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, you might you might get it, you might not get it, but you're definitely not going to get it if you don't ask for it. Right, right. All right. So uh, that finishes up this week. So uh, I don't think anything, 
you know, well, difference happening. Oh, wait. Yes, you're there right. is. <laughs> I was like, oh, as just as I said that I remembered what you had told me. Uh-huh. There's there's no episode next week because of 4th of July. So so we will be back with this channel in two weeks with a new episode, which is good. And and you know what? And we'll we'll be recording that one together. Oh yes, because uh Mr. <laughs> o is gonna be on the West Coast. So That's yeah. right. Right. So next time uh you will hear us. We will be together. So yes. that uh-huh. also makes for interesting mixes because we kind of just have one audio, right? And kind of have to just go with it. We got to no just editing. go with it. We can't cut anything yeah. out of it. That's right. <laughs> just is what it is. <laughs> so you got an uncut version of us next time. Yes. All right. See everybody All then. All right. Until then. Okay. okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.